Last night, I think I got some bonus points. I took my wife to uh, an art show. So she's an artist. So I felt that was a really good uh, date night. And I think it went well. So I was really excited about it. But it was, a, it was an extra special night for, for me. <laughs> Thanks. You understand. That's the struggle. Um, it, it was an extra special art show for me because I was in the Art Gallery of Ontario. And I was uh, in a, a showing called Mystical Landscapes. And I had been in that building a number of times over the last four years with a man named John Franklin. He's the head of a, a group called Imago. And they are all about uh, linking faith and arts together. And I remember meeting that group and talking with him about art. And he was in the AGO talking about this thing for years. And finally it's come where a group of theologians and other uh, community people had got together and they created this art show called Mystical Landscapes. And it's about the idea of how faith and, and the experience of God can be come through art. And so as I'm walking through this and I'm looking at these pieces, you know, there's different th thoughts in it and there's different ways of looking at things. But, but I just I kept thinking about this, like this is steeped in a number of Christians coming together over years and praying over this thing. And now we get to walk through the art gallery of Ontario and experience this. And that meant a lot. I thought about it. I was thinking about John Frank. And I'm thinking of all the different theologians who put time and effort into this. And I was like, this is an example of how Christians can engage in their city in a way which the city is thankful for, a way in which the city is uh, basically built into, built up. And, I, and I, give me an example. I was just thinking, like, this is how we as Christians, when we talk about telling our story, we need to recognize that one of the ways in which we show God is by engaging our cities in a very positive way. We've been talking for the last three weeks, a series about telling our story, and that was a lot about how, how do I tell my story? How do I identify my own personal story? Um, how do I actually get up and kind of share that story? And then we talked about last week, how do I live my story out? Now we're going to talk about another half of this. This is about we. How do we tell God's story? And we're going to speak about uh, the, the mission that Jesus Christ left us with in Acts, which at the very beginning you see in Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And this is the mission to be the, the witness of Christ. But what I love about this is he kind of gives a game plan. And the game plan was, first you start a local in Jerusalem. Then you're going to go kind of like provincial, national, this Judea, Samaria. And then it goes global to the ends of the earth. And if you follow through the book of Acts, you actually, this is how the church begins. And what I'd like to say, I think it also lays a, a game plan as how we, when we talk, talk about the church, how does the church engage this mission? We need to think in these ways. We need to think local, we got to think provincial, national, and we got to think global. And so next week, we're going to have uh, someone come in from Lausanne Movement Canada and just talk about this, this national picture. How do we think about serving God as the people of God nationally? And then the next week, on the 20th, we're actually going to have someone from Voice of the Martyrs come in and speak to us about the, the global picture, especially the persecuted brothers and sisters in, in Syria, this idea of what does it look like for us to globally share and tell boldly the story of Jesus. But today, we're going to go local. We're going to talk about what does it look like to be people who tell the story of Jesus at this level, at the local level. 
I thought, as I started praying over this, I had a few different passages come to mind. But one that really stuck out to me was a, a special passage, which was about how do you serve locally, even though in many ways you feel like you're, you're an outsider. We're told in Scripture last week, we saw that, that, that as Christians, we are aliens and strangers in this world. So how do we live as faithful Christians? We feel like aliens and strangers. How do we live locally? And this brings us to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to, to all those I carried in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. And eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. So they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is a call for us to, to pray for the city we live in, to work in the city we live in, to love the city we live in. As exiles in the world, we still need to develop a heart for our city. There's a context here. He talks about how the, the, this is the people I carried into exile. And what's happened is Israel has been running for an, uh, a number of hundreds of years after David, and now kind of they finally are going to bite the bullet. Babylon has swept in. Babylon has taken them capture, and they've actually physically removed them from their home and put them in the middle of Babylon. Now, there's different prophecies going around at the time. One of them was a guy named Hananiah. And Hananiah is saying to everyone, don't worry, it's only, only temporary. We'll be back home soon. Don't, don't worry about this city. Just chill out and we're going to get back home. And that's kind of the, the prophecy that's going around. And Jeremiah wants to say, no, no, this isn't going to be a short time. This is going to be a long time. 70 years, actually. You're going to have enough time for a couple of generations of children to be produced in the city. What we're telling you and what God is saying to you is you must live in Babylon as your home. Treat the city in which you are living as a place that you want to see prosper. Well, that's got to be a difficult thing just off the top when you think about it. You are in a place that's hostile to you, that aggressively took you away from your home and put you in it, and now you're told to live in this place like it's home. Settle down. This is going to take a while. Now, the church often can separate mission and evangelism, we'll call them, right? The idea of mission is like helping and caring for the poor and the broken. And, and we can also often start to think about social services and kind of, or we can think about evangelism, making sure you share the gospel, telling about the cross. And, and a lot of times we can separate these two in a way that thinks unhealthy. The, the gospel is actually holistic. The idea is these all go together. When you're helping others, you're sharing Jesus. When you're sharing Jesus, you're helping others. And, and this, is, this is supposed to be linked together. And so I, I want us to start to think about our living in our cities as mission. We need a boldness in this to, to, to boldly go local. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. 
Look what they're supposed to do. Build a house. Make yourself a place that you're going to come back to and go, home sweet home. Yes, we are exiles. We are spiritually strangers. We're passing through this world. But this is also a place that we're supposed to establish a home. Now, if you think about building a house, that's a pretty concrete, solid statement, isn't it? This is, this is where I live. It's not a tent. This is a house. This is my place. And what I love about this idea of the picture of building houses and, and planting gardens is what we're hearing, we're hearing, make a home of this. If you build a house, you're, you're, you're saying, like, my physical space is important to me. I want to point that out. There's something really important about physical space. As Christians, we can sometimes just think about, you know, the airy-fairy spiritual and the the physical is bad. No, this physical space is a space that we are called to live in, invest in, and to make sacred. One of the reasons why we've been talking about uh, the, the church and a church building, and sometimes you think like, oh, I give money to a church and an upkeep and, and it costs money. But there's something missional about having space. There's something missional about having a, a launching pad, a, a home base where you can reach into the city. I think about actually, um, we did fireworks the other, uh, at Labor Day. And we had uh, a neighbor call in the next day. And, and Nancy Kennedy was like, oh, Cyril, someone, a neighbor had called in about yesterday. And I was like, uh-oh, here it comes. Noise complaints. Or, and it was like, thank you so much. I was like, what? They just thought it was lovely. They're so thankful that you guys would do that and they invite the community in. I was like, ah, we're making that connection, right? We're, we're, we're being good neighbors. And then a little bit later, just this last week, we actually got a phone call from the same person and they called us and they said, hey, could you send someone maybe to start a Bible study in our retirement home? We really, and I was like, this is, this is what we're talking about, about building a home and being a, a, a good neighbor, planting a garden. Create a home in the midst of the city and make that part of your mission. Make sure that you recognize that you have a home here. I think about what we just heard from what's going on in Aldershot, next door space. That space is a, a, a little storefront for the, the beauty, the prosperity of Aldershot. It is a space where people come to, and it is helping build into the city itself. And then it says here, plant a garden. And I just love that. We're doing that literally. We actually have community garden space. And I think in the next picture, they show some of the produce that came out of that. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Something about, and I love the story about putting your hands in the dirt and reconnecting. One of the things we see in our culture is that we're being disconnected in many ways from nature. And it's one of the problems with cities they, they recognize is it can often, sometimes the concrete jungle can, can, can lead to some of the difficulties we have socially, right? So reconnecting sometimes helps us even with mental health. So this idea of, of planting a garden, I, I love the picture that we're hearing from, from Jeremiah. Says, plant a garden, Remember like, what food is. that It's given to you at, with the sweat of your brow and how blessed you are to have it. In some ways, I, I've been growing a garden since I got married to Megan. She's a great gardener. And there is something that you start to reconnect. You're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't just come with cellophane already on it, right? It's real. It comes from nature. And there's something really helpful about that connection. So although this isn't a call, like, it's not saying everyone here must go home and plant a garden, right? That's not it. 
That's what he's trying to get at. What he's trying to say with this planted garden is be productive. Live in the city and be productive in the city. I think a lot, uh, when I think about this idea of being productive, I think of some of the, the immigrant experiences in Canada, right? With communities that come over. I remember hearing my, my wife's dad coming from Holland, or you just hear all these stories of people who are coming from that country, coming here, and then, they, and then making it home. And one of the things they have to do is figure out a way to be productive. And there's a really interesting uh, new series. I, actually, I ran into, into the creator of it yesterday at the, at the art gallery, a guy named Ince Choi has created a new TV show. It came from his award-winning play called Kim's Convenience. You heard of this? It's interesting. Kim's Convenience is all about the immigrant experience of the Korean people coming to Canada. And I know a friend of mine, uh, a, a pastor friend, who is a Korean pastor, and he had the exact same experience of his dad having a convenience store. There was a lot of convenience stores that were started, and they, and they kind of explore this in the, in the show, because there was a network and connection of communities, and it's kind of built up. But the convenience store became like a local hub, a little community. And he, I remember him sharing a story about how he had an uncle who had a convenience store in L.A., and when the riots hit L.A., they were destroying all the convenience stores. But what happened was his customers all came out in front of the store and blocked it because he had loaned them money when they needed help, and he had just been, this part, been part of producing the city. So it's like, this idea here is how are you producing in this city? How are you being productive? How are you plugging into the city? How are you helping build the city? Are you considering what you do in your work as part of this production? Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increased in number there. Do not decrease. Family is important. We need to recognize that as a church, that one of the main ways in which we can bless our city and be in our city is to support families. To support your family. I just want to throw this out there. Your family is your main ministry. Now, I'm not just saying just if you're a parent. Wherever you are in, in a family, son, daughter, uncle, aunt, like your family is your main place of ministry. You are to bless and care for and build into a family. And I recognize when you read this verse, sometimes uh, we can go a little too far and just be like, if you don't have kids, then that's bad. You just, no, we're not, we're not, that's not what we're trying to get at here. The idea is recognizing the family as an important part of the spiritual reality and fabric of society and recognizing whatever role you have in it. I was talking to a couple, uh, and they were talking about how they don't have any children, and so they try to bless and build in to others. This is, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the spiritual reality is we as a church should be seeking to bless our families and the cities through our families. So I can tell you what, one of the, the, the main things or a big, a big part of, of sometimes when we see crumbling in a, in a, in a, in a society or, or things being hurt, a lot of times that can be the, the family, right? If, if you don't have a supportive, loving family structure, it gets that much more difficult to thrive in a city. And so we as a, as a church need to be a place where we can see broken families. And I, let's put that out there. All of our families are broken in some ways, right? Some might be more than others. But the idea is let the church be a place of healing and love and caring for family. And make that part of who we are and what we do. I, mean, I love the ministry that Wendy's doing here in this church. 
You can see her love and passion for her families. And you can see it in the kids. When my kids come home and they're kind of telling stories of what they're learning. And this is part of who we are as a church is to recognize that the family is important. The family is a place where we can see reparation begin to heal. And, and the church needs to be a family to recognize that we step in and be family in each other's lives. Some of you I'll see a lot more this year than I'll see my own family. So we live in increasing more distance from family, right? Recognizing how do we live as a community, as a family? Now, you can't choose your family. <laughs> you recognize doesn't mean there's not going to be difficulties along the way. But recognize this part of the blessing of the city is to see the church. Part of the mission is the spiritual family and taking care of our families. And also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Seek the peace and prosperity. Now, some of the people hear the word prosperity like, ah, right? Prosperity gospel, heretics. What's in the scripture here? So <laughs> We're not saying that everything you do will always prosper. We're not saying that just have faith and God will give you a Mercedes. Now, what this is trying to say here is you personally should be seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city. Now, peace and prosperity covers one word. It's not two words in the, in the original Hebrew. In the original Hebrew, the word is such a powerful word that we need two words in English to cover it. That word is shalom. Shalom. When we think of the word peace, and a lot of times we translate shalom, peace. We think of the word peace, usually what we're thinking of is lack of fighting. Right? That's, there was a conflict and now there's peace. You hear the kids in the, in downstairs arguing, yelling, like, and you have to go down and make the peace. Stop the fighting. But that's not what shalom just means. Shalom can mean that, and that's part of what shalom means. But shalom is not just like stopping fighting. Shalom is about wholeness and completeness. Shalom is about the restoration of all goodness. You might be at peace with a family member that you had a fight with and you're not calling each other names and bickering, but is there shalom there? Is there a wholeness and healing? When it, when it says to, to seek the shalom of the city, this is much bigger than just stop the violence or trying to stop fights from breaking out, although we're seeing across the globe, and you look in Chicago, what's happening, like, shalom for Chicago. Shalom is this idea that when you look around your city, there's all sorts of brokenness, isn't there? The brokenness could be violence, but the brokenness can also include poverty. Poverty, I believe, theologically, begins at the fall, when scarcity starts entering in as a lack of of the relationship between us and God. And so this idea of shalom includes us trying to help alleviate poverty in Jesus' name. Shalom also is talking about breaking down the hatred that we see between different community groups fighting and, and battling with each other. A shalom is bringing a wholeness to a city. You think, or on the other hand, there's the hoarding, right? Some people are poverty, some people have the hoarding, and that is hurting them in their souls as well. It's sickness. I hear, yeah, right there, right on time. We have, we, have, we, we have sickness hitting at this season, right? We're seeing that sickness is a lack of shalom. 
Because shalom is wholeness and health. When you think of shalom, I want you to think of like mental health, financial health, spiritual health, physical health, relationship health. That's shalom. Seek that for your city. Christians in the city must be working for the wholeness of the city. I, bet I ran into another person yesterday, an old member of my older church. Uh, her name is Megan Sherman, and she's part of this thing called Recreate. And Recreate is trying to use art to reach disadvantaged youth. So those who are involved, street-involved youth are coming to these things and, and trying to use art. It's based off something called Sketch in Toronto. So again, it's the, a way of allowing those who are feeling the, the pressure of society, whose society is abandoned, even hurt, and now they can come in and find place to, to express themselves through their art, bringing a wholeness and a shalom to the city. There's so many different when we When we heard the story of Next Door, that's what Next Door is about, shalom. Helping the people of our cities be able to start to enter into a wholeness, a fullness, which can only ultimately be found in God. So when it says, seek the prosperity of the city, I just want you to, to sit and think with that for a moment, because you might be saying to yourself, okay, this is, this is good stuff, but I, I'm, I got a job at a company. How do, I, how do I seek the shalom of the city with that? Well, one of the things we're hearing with this is part of the shalom of the city is industry. It's, it's actually producing things. I don't think we should feel guilty about being part of productivity in the city. And so whatever job you're in, what I would ask you to do is just think about like, what your business. How is your business, if it's conducted well, going to help produce shalom in your city? Maybe it, hire, maybe it helps hire some people. Maybe it's helping uh, meet certain needs. It's building up the economy. Those, those type of things. It's not wrong to be productive, but how is this actually engaging the shalom of Burlington? Seeking the shalom of Oakville the peace and the prosperity of Milton. God calls you to that. Whatever your work is, how is that being part of your ministry? You're, you're seeking the wholeness of the city. But also realize, even as you have a role to play, that it's not all in your hands. And that's why the next verse is so important. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I kind of love the logic here. It's basically saying, if the city has peace and you live in the city, then you have peace. There's an interest there. It makes a lot of sense. It's just a straightforward statement. But notice what he's saying. You, you work for the shalom, but it's not all on you. Pray for the prosperity of your city. Pray for the shalom of your city. Are you... Ardently, fervently, on your knees, or sitting in your chair, or however it is that you please, how are you seeking the Lord for Burlington, Oakville, Milton, Halton, Waterdown, Hamilton, Toronto? praying for your city. And what I love about this is, we, we, of course we bring our petitions to the Lord and we bring our own hearts to the Lord for our own needs, but there's something very missional about spending time praying for the city, isn't there? 
then it's not just about you. And you're, you're, you're missionally praying, Lord, could you please bring wholeness to the city? I, I need you to make this place whole. There's an interconnection between ourselves and the city that's undeniable. We'll just see it right here. You are connected to the city in which you live. And you know this is culturally and, and, and what's happening in the city. It's not just about money. This is about seeing, like we talked about, the mental health, the, the family health, the, the lack of violence, all these things coming together. Pray for your city. Actually, just before we came in, um, Barry, uh, who's playing guitar today, and we're, we're in prayer as a worship team beforehand, and he was saying, like, Lord, like, we, we are kind of scatterbrained right now. Like, we're just, our cages are rattled. And the sickness and all this stuff, like, could you just pray, please bring peace to this? And when he, when he prayed for that, I just felt it fall on me. Like, I was like, prayer is part of bringing that peace, right? You can settle your own heart engage you and empower you to do the work and allow God to work in the city. Prayer itself is part of the shalom, can bring shalom. If we had a congregation that prayed all the time, we would be more full of shalom, wouldn't we? If, If my life, if I prayed more in my life, I would have more shalom in my life. So Jeremiah is telling us with this, these passages that we have to just uh, adjust to the circumstances that God has put us in. Where are you? Live in it. Babylon is a picture of the world in which we live. Pray for it. Pray that it is blessed and built up. He's not calling for you to compromise and, you know, uh, give up on the faith but he is insisting that we need to work for right relationships within our community, within your, with your neighbors. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, I just want to say, can we take our cities seriously? I'm just going to make this as a call to the suburbs. When I came into here, and I hear sometimes people talk about Oakville, and it's kind of like, oh, we're in the suburbs, the suburbs. And I just want to say, like, yes, I get that. You're, it's not Toronto. But this is a city. I know it's a town, technically. It's kind of weird. But anyways, it is the size of normal cities. And so is Burlington and Milton. Like, you are living in a city right now. Don't downplay the city in which you live. Take it seriously. How do we care for Burlington? Neighboring. I was talking with someone last week, and, and they were talking about how they had this. Because of the Magi Mission, they started up uh, an annual soup fest they're doing, and people look forward to it. And a barbecue, and people are like, are you doing this barbecue again this year? Because you started caring for your neighborhood. You actually go out for Magi Mission and start putting out flyers to bring people out. You'll be surprised. People want that. I remember having a party. Uh, we just threw it out on Facebook at our home in, in Toronto, and 50 people showed up that day. It was a kind of a spontaneous party. People want community. If you can be able to help invite that in, that's part of this, taking your city and your neighboring seriously. Starting community gardens, as we saw what's going on with Nextdoor. Uh, sports. How are you involving your kids in sports? How is that part of your ministry? How are you praying for, are you praying for those families? Are you blessing the families? Are you, are you part and using that as part of how you engage the city for Shalom? Or, or with children. One of the ways that we as a church need to really recognize the way you can serve people is by helping serve their children. If you're a parent, you know how frazzled it can be sometimes. It's, it's, it's amazing when we can help each other out, right? We raise our children together. It takes a village, they say. 
This idea of, of pouring in to other people's families as well, because they're important. When we talk about doing events and reaching out across into Palermo, I just want to point out, the city's coming towards us. We talk about having space and community. Like I, I believe like having, doing the renovations and these type of things that we're working on, when the, when the leadership team gets together and talks and prays about this, what we're trying to say is like, how do we best utilize our resources to, to reach this community? And what we realize is like the community needs a place, like a place of worship and a place to gather. And, and as we start to engage the city, it's, it's actually coming towards us. So I'm just praying like, Lord, build it up. Bring it to us. Allow us to serve as they come, look into their needs and how do we actually uh, help in the shalom. I would just encourage you, we saw uh, the video there, just Christmas, next Saturday. Oh my goodness, this is, when we talk about boldly going local, that, this is, I, 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 it's beautiful. Coming in and seeing what is being built here, you have people building up uh, businesses that are trying to live themselves ethically, so you're helping support, support local ethical business. We, we heard it, you're giving twice, right? I just want to say, if you can come out on Saturday and be part of that, recognize this is part of the shalom. Maybe you can help with the cleanup afterwards and the, the teardown. These are ways in which we together, we help shalom be built in our city. Two, I want us to, to actively seek for the prosperity of the city. What does it mean to seek? When I hear the word seek, it's not just like hope it happens accidentally. Seeking is like this active chasing after, isn't it? Seek the peace of Burlington. How are we, how are we doing that? Maybe some of you are supposed to get involved in your local community group. I was gathering on Saturday with a couple of local politicians and just hearing, like, maybe some of you are called to help engage your community groups. I had a friend in Toronto, and one of the best ways he's found to, to be part of the community was he, he joined the local neighborhood association. And uh, they eventually, like, it was, a, it was an area that wasn't very Christian at all and kind of hostile to it, but they ended up recruiting him to lead Christmas caroling through the city, because they all like Christmas carols, even though the majority of them were Jewish and others, they were like, let's do Christmas carols. And, and so he's now he's like ministering in the, in the middle of this neighborhood association, and they're the ones coming to him with it. How do we plug into these local type of ways of, of serving next door? And, and maybe, maybe you're on school parents council. Although I found it much more, when we were in Toronto, people were begging for us to be on the student council. Here you have to like, run an election to give you a, I was like, wow, this is, people are pretty involved. But how do you get involved in these places? I mean, the school is a foundation in terms of uh, pouring into families and children, right? Maybe that's a place where you can connect. But just looking for ways, actively seeking the way in which you can help bring us shalom. Finally, let us have a prayer movement. Just praying over this and thinking about this and hearing prayers, I started realizing like, we need to make prayer like a focal point, right? In our covcoms, this will not just be the afterthought. Let it be an important part. I love that our leadership team means we start with prayer. And sometimes we go like 40 minutes and, we're, and you can feel like, oh, there's so much business too. It's like, this is the real business, right? Connecting with God. Making sure we spend that time in prayer. Because that's where shalom can happen, where our hearts can meet God and God can, can meet us. I know on Wednesday nights, there's a gathering of prayer that happens here. So maybe, maybe once a month, you're like, hey, I'm going to come out and pray for my city on a Wednesday night 
on top of, I know I have coffee, but maybe I'll come out that day and I'll, and I'll pray for my city with a group of people. Anytime a revival or anything powerful moving the Spirit is broken out, it's broken out with prayer behind it. So maybe this week when you're in a quiet spot, just sit down and, and pray for your city and start naming it, naming the, the people who are helping lead your city. We're called to pray for our leaders, naming the things that are going on in your city that there needs to be help for. Start thinking about ways. I love what Paul said. He's like, we want to see more. Like they're starting ESL and there's other things. As people in Forest View start to have a vision, one of the things that Paul's really gifted is helping a vision grow into something. Some people like to fix bikes and now there's rolling horse. This is, this is part of the, what it means to be a community. And when God puts visions on our heart, how do we together help empower each other to bring shalom? Paul and Angie and what they're doing in um, next door is a beautiful picture, a beautiful illustration of the idea of the bringing the shalom. And, and we are all challenged to do the same. As we live in Babylon, and yes, there's some ugly parts of this culture, but yet we pray for it, we work in it, we try to help it succeed, because as it prospers, it says we, the church, will prosper. Let's pray. Lord, we seek your shalom. We ask that your hand would bring wholeness and healing to Oakville, to Burlington, to Milton. And so we pray, Lord God, we pray for this city. We pray for Rob Burton, the mayor of Oakville. Would you give him wisdom and give the entire council wisdom? We pray for Rick Goldring, the mayor of Burlington. Would you allow him to work for the shalom of the city? We pray for Gordon Krantz, the mayor of Milton. And all the councils in this whole region, we pray for the Halton Council. Would you give them the wisdom to be able to continually see shalom build? And we pray that we, the church, and not just our church, all the churches, that we would unite, Lord God. We would do things like we are with Alpha together with Meeting House, so that you would bring churches together to con just with concurrently and collectively work for the shalom, Lord. That this unity that we would show in the churches would help bring a unity and a peace to the city itself. And so we pray for shalom from here to Rome. We ask, Lord God, that you would allow us to be building our homes in these cities, that someday we may come and look and say, welcome to Shalom City. Amen. On a day he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And he poured out the cup and said, this is my blood poured out for you. As often as you eat it and you drink it, you declare the forgiveness of sin, the restoration of shalom. Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he looked down the city, and he wept over it. He loved that city so much. He said, I want to gather together under my wings. I want to gather you together, Jerusalem. And I know as he looks at our city, he wants to gather us together under his wings and care for it. And so he died for our city. He died for your city. He died for you and for each and every individual that lives within here. Let us pray that we as a church would proclaim that by how we live as we seek the shalom of the city.